You're listening to a podcast from Oasis Church Bath. To find out more about us, visit our website at www.oasisbath.org. Thank you all so much for joining me on the sofas today. I feel like we could call it Sofas Sunday, but it doesn't really go, so I'll stick with Sofa Sunday. Um, so yeah, first of all, it would be great just to introduce yourselves, really. So tell us, tell as much as you feel comfortable, um, yeah, about sharing your your experience, I guess, with hidden disabilities. So can I start with you, Dorothy, and then we'll maybe go in this direction. Sure. Hi. So I'm Dorothy. And um, I have CFS forward slash ME, which is a terrible name for um, a disease of unknown cause. Um, It's a long-term chronic fluctuating condition that really varies from individual to individual. Um, The chronic fatigue label part of it, um, I think a, a lot of people with ME find really annoying because it gives the impression that we're just tired. But Actually, if I say, oh, I've got to go home because I've got fatigue, it's more likely that my muscles have started doing weird things and I'm having difficulty, like, coordinating my limbs, um, that my hearing, like, has suddenly gone weird, so sounds are amplified in certain ways, um, and yet I'm not quite hearing things in other ways, that my vision isn't um, as smooth and normal as, you know how we take it for granted, you know, those weird visual disturbances or things become harder to interpret. Um, And often when I say I've got fatigue, I feel like I'm going to vomit or I feel dizzy or there's sort of random pains. Um, So it's it's more than just um, fatigue. Um, And it's really different and variable for, I think, everyone that's got ME. It's... um, quite often uh, labelled in terms of severity from mild to very severe. So someone with uh, mild ME might be able to carry on uh, with their employment and everyday activities, but have to make several adjustments to make that possible. And then on the other end of the scale, a person with very severe ME um, would be bed-bound and wouldn't be able to do very simple things like tolerate sunlight or tolerate any noise or um, even be able to swallow so people with very severe me are usually bed bound and tube fed um, so it's very variable and nobody's experience of it is um, exactly um, the same and some people make good progress and recover for other people it's relapsing and remitting and for other people it's just a steady progressive um, illness So I fit into the um, moderate category. Um, Yeah, and for me that started, um, I started getting unwell when I went to uni. And um, I had to give up uni after my first year. And my tutor at the time said to me, "Um, don't don't tell anybody. Um, Because she said, I won't write it down anywhere, we'll make some other excuse of why you've had to leave, because to tell somebody is going to affect potentially your future career, like it was some, you know, bad mark or, you know, stain on my sort of possible future. And I hope that things have changed at unis and that there is more support 
And um, I, I don't feel bad about that, you to saying that. You know, at that time, it was like 22 years ago, you know, what she said was done from a place of, like, kindness and compassion and trying to be helpful. So, but, um, but I'm hoping that things have changed a bit. Amazing. Thanks, Dorothy. John? Hi, um, I'm John. Um, and, um, yeah, I've got a diagnosis of ADHD, Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder, um, which sort of by definition is how I've been all my life. Um, you don't get a diagnosis unless, you know, you, you experienced it in childhood. So um, it's, I mean, I'm, you know, it, it's something that's always been with me. So I've, I've been really puzzled, you know, what the experience of somebody without ADHD is, you know, and I know there'll be loads of common ground and lots of difference. Um, um, I suppose it not being recognised and having no treatment as a as a child was just really difficult because um, I had all those classic difficulties at school um, of constantly being in trouble and being labelled as bright but naughty and um, and also just been very socially isolated in in that in that process um i think a, a, a hidden part of certainly my adhd and i think you know a lot of neuro neurodiversity is for a lot of people is what's called deficit in theory of mind so i find it really really difficult to work out how other people tick um and that just makes it really quite exhausting um in lots of social situations um, and um, I'm, I'm now working in special needs education, which was really um, um, where I started in my 20s and went off doing other stuff. But I find the perspectives that my ADHD gives me really help me in the job I do. Um, and in terms of, um, you know, managing it and coping, I, I didn't get my diagnosis till about the age of 50. And um, I'm so grateful to have diagnosis now and some medication that really, really helps me. It's just uh, my social anxiety is so, so much lower um, when, I, when I can take my medication. And, and also just my ability to keep on track of life. Because I suppose um, often ADHD parts of it get described as time blindness and I just really really struggle to have a perspective beyond five minutes if I'm really anxious um, and and um, and just really really difficult to do just strategic planning and thinking ahead it just feels like wading through treacle trying to negotiate planning ahead in time so yeah it keeps me very much in the moment I suppose um, yeah great thanks John Lydia uh, yeah, so I have uh, scoliosis. It causes nerve pain in my legs and back pain as well. Um, so, yeah, I'm pretty much uh, constantly in pain. My pain started when I was about 10. Uh, it took about a full year until the doctors thought, maybe that's not a pulled hamstring, actually. Maybe that's something else. Um, and then I was sort of misdiagnosed with some other things for six years, I guess. 
And then when I was about 17, they finally like properly diagnosed me. Um, and I use a walking stick uh, full time now, um, but I didn't when I was younger. So I only really used it uh, when I was doing like a very big walk, but only when I was with my family because I was uh, a bit embarrassed about it. Um, so yeah. Thank you, and I want to say a thank you to you all because you've shared, you know, sometimes when we talk about topics on the sofa, it's it doesn't it involve being vulnerable, and I'm aware what you're sharing is personal and painful at times, so I think we all, we're grateful, <laughs> and um, I'm already learning things, and yeah, so just, yeah, thank you for that. Um, and, you know, this this next question will be, you know, I, I guess maybe different based on your different experiences, Um but I wondered sort of how the experience of maybe somebody with a visible disability, and perhaps Lydia, maybe for you there is sometimes more visibility, but maybe sometimes not, but how is the experience of someone with a visibility, of a, a visible disability different to the experience of someone with an invisible disability? Wow, that was hard to say. Did that make any sense? <laughs> um, yeah, so anybody particularly want to jump in on that one? I mean, yeah, like you said, I think I can speak to this quite clearly because when I was younger, my disability was very hidden. Um, now I would say it's a lot more visible, especially when I'm using the stick. Um, and actually that's uh, one of the reasons I use the stick as a visual cue to other people. Um, so in, in some ways it's, it's much, much easier. Um, because, for example, if I get on a bus and all the seats are taken and I sort of announce to the bus that I need someone to stand up for me, people can see why I'm doing that. I'm not just... <laughs> Otherwise, I think people would just think that I'm just demanding a seat. Um, so, yeah, in, in some ways, it, it is much easier. Um, and then in some ways, it's uh, harder because people make assumptions about you. Um, and this is something that I felt very, very strongly when I switched um, to using the stick full time. Especially when I would go into shops or it was around the time that I was going to university open days and people would see my stick and automatically assume that I was less intelligent and I could hear that in the way that they were talking to me. Um, and it was very, very different from how people had, had spoken to me before. Um, so yeah, it, it's harder in some ways, um, but I would say on the whole, it's much easier, especially in this country, um, because people will make allowances for you um, a lot quicker than they would otherwise. Um, oh, sorry. Um, yeah, I, I suppose um, in everyday life, I, I can sort of, you know, I've got agency and I can... I can leave situations if they're too challenging for me and I can control the commitments I make. Um, but something I've found really, really difficult through working life was was people that particularly like are not great in, in putting tasks on me and things like that. And, you know, it's really humiliating to have a meltdown in the workplace, you know, and I've experienced that, you know, quite a few times over the years. And um, it's, I find it so helpful now to have a diagnosis. And the job I'm in at the moment, I was open about my ADHD at my interview. And, and I now know that, I, you know, I don't use it as an, as an excuse, but I know that people now understand if I say, look, I cannot deal with this at the moment. They'll just give me that bit of space. Um, so, yeah, because that's so very hidden, you know, I, I just need to have that conversation in, in certain spaces. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a bit mixed, really, but I think overall I'm quite grateful that 
um, my disability is invisible because unlike um, friends who are blind and use a stick, I don't get random people on the bus approaching me asking to pray for me to be healed. Gosh. So, so I'm grateful for that. <laughs> yeah, I can see why. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, and yeah, maybe this is kind of linked off the back of that. But yeah, I suppose a, a real key question for me is, you know, what do you wish people with um, without disabilities knew about what life is like for people with disabilities? You know, what's the kind of main thing you want to say? Look, this is what I need you to know. This is what is important to, to get across today. I'll go first. Yeah, yeah, go for it. Yep. Um, one that is expensive, um, and a lot of people don't really think about that, but, and I think I read something that said that the average disabled person spends... £500 a month more than someone who's not disabled. Obviously, that's going to fl fluctuate massively between um, different, you know, needs. Um, and secondly, that it can be really boring and tedious and frustrating. Um, I'm just going to check my notes in case I've forgotten. Yeah, you go for it. I'll, I'll jump in on that one as well. Were you thinking about that? Because I, I read this. Week. I don't know if people saw in the news. There was a really. There was a good article actually about how, um, with the rise in energy uh, costs for bills and things, how that's going to affect people with disabilities. Obviously, if you're at home and you're running kind of machinery or there's um, support that you need that that runs on electricity. So there was a guy talking about having to sort of choose between dialysis and heating his home. You know, it's awful. And you, I, I to be honest, hadn't you know considered that as an added impact if you've got you know things. That that need operating at home all the time as part of a disability you can see how that one factor alone would you know would add to the cost and things and there's no extra cost is there for that even though i know some energy some bills you can be a percentage of your bill you're compensated for but certainly not all of it so yeah yeah that's a really good point and a lot of people with me have problems with controlling their body temperature so yeah that really factors into the fuel thing um, so the other thing I wanted to say about it is just that accessibility is so variable. So not just between different conditions, but even within the same condition, uh, like taking Emmy as an example, one person's experience and needs can be very different to another person's experience and needs. Um, and there's much that could be done that isn't. And, um, and that's a real shame because some of the things that could be done are actually... I think really simple and it seems that we wait for there to be some you know government legislation that says that we have to put ramps in front of buildings so that people can get inside a building um, but I in, in my last job I uh, was working for a very sort of progressive charitable organization and um, there was a situation where there was a, a training um, that we were advised to go on and it was a two full day training and um and there's just no way that i could do two full days like i could do two half days or i could do a day and then be really ill for a week and then do an, another day at a different point but this the particular um trainer um was someone that only sort of ran the course every six months so i sort of put forward you, you know would it be possible for me to do two half days on this training and then the next time the course runs I'll do the other two half days or would it be possible for me to do like one full day on this training and then the next time it runs do another full day and the answer was met with just you know just a no and potentially I could have sort of pursued that and challenged that but you know who wants to create ill feeling at work or to sort of ex 
brass, like, you know, how crappy it is for me. So. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Yeah, okay. John? Um, yeah, I suppose uh, I was just thinking about perspective, and I think this is around um, just for, for each of us, for, for everyone, so whether people have a disability or, or whatever, just like some compassion for how difficult it can be to show up for life for for so many people for so many things um and how how exhausting it can be to do that you know and um just that you know everybody finds themselves in those positions i think at different times in their life and and i think this is part of part of that just opening our eyes to to, to how much challenge there is in life for, for each other yeah, you, and this reminds me of that thing of like, you know, you just don't know what people are facing, do you? Like behind, you know, we all make assumptions about each other, don't we? But I think particularly when things are hidden, there are things that we all have that are hidden, but particularly around disability, and it's not... And you mentioned about assumptions, Lydia, that, you know, it's just making sure, isn't it, that we don't jump to to judgments or making assumptions, and it's everybody's kind of got a different story and a different, different set of stuff going on, yeah. Mm image of the swan going serenely along you know and paddling away like mad underneath <laughs> you know and so many people are, are like that yeah so many times yeah that's cool yeah yeah um Lydia. Uh, yeah i think sort of dorothy touched on this a lot but um yeah it it can vary uh between disabilities and between people with the same disabilities but it's also very variable for an individual so my pain changes massively day to day and it's mostly cumulative but sometimes it's just randomly bad um but that means that sometimes you know on one day i might be fine to walk for a long time and on the next day i might not be able to do 10 minutes um but i i know my pain and i think what i would want other people to realize is that i know that and so I know what I can do on a particular day. And I have had friends say to me in the past, if I've said, you know, I can't walk, I need to get the bus to this place, they'll say, oh, but it's not far. And, you know, last week you walked X amount of minutes, so you can do that. And it's like, no, I can't because my pain is different today. Or sometimes I just know that maybe in a few days' time I have to do a big walk, so I won't walk in the days leading up to that because then I wouldn't be able to do that day. And I think it's just understanding that the person with the disability knows their own limits a lot more than you do, and you can't say, oh, but you did such a thing on such a day, um, because it's so variable. Yeah, okay, thank you. Um, and, yeah, Dorothy maybe touched on a slightly awful experience, nothing to do with church, but I wondered um, what, what your experience of perhaps church has been when it comes to, to disability. So, yeah, you know, what's been not so good, but also maybe what's been good as well. Uh, well... Oasis has been amazing for me. I feel um, celebrated here and just accepted um, as I am. Um, and I feel like it's a safe space that I could highlight an issue. And if I did that, that it would actually be heard. And actually, there would be an outcome as well. So um, that feels really amazing. Um, my previous church was Living Springs MCC. And Tiggy and Nathan are here that used to... Um, come along to that and we were just saying this morning you know they're remembering some good times from that and similarly um, that was a really good experience um, it was very inclusive 
and our pastor Mike was blind. Um, and I don't know if it was the disability or just his awesome personality, but it really, there was a real drive to make things accessible and inclusive and to accept people how they are, um, which is all very different from a previous church um, that I went to where I was sort of made to feel like I was cursed. Um, and that, that needed to be removed, that there was something wrong with me. And you can't, you do absorb, you know, what, what people are telling you. Um, so that did really impact my faith um, and the way I felt about myself. Um, Yeah, and, and that's hard. You ask yourself questions like, well, you know, we know God can heal and we know that if, you know, you have the faith, even as small as a mustard seed, you can move mountains. So why, why am I not being healed? You know, am I not praying hard enough? Is my faith not even as big as like a tiny mustard seed? Like, you know, what, what am I doing wrong? And sort of, you know, feeling wrong and feeling sort of shame and guilt. So. That sounds tough. Yeah, that's a conflict. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, and is that is that something that others have experienced? Or sort of, you know, that sense of like, you need to be fixed or healed or... And yeah, I mean, I'd be interested to know how you reconcile... You know, what, what have, how have you thought that through in your own faith? And I know that's not on the list, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, I suppose in the last church I was in... Um, I was actually going through the whole process of getting diagnosis and, and processing a lot of stuff. And it was actually a church where that was really inclusive of neurodiversity, including people with, with quite severe autism, right. which, is, which is, you know, um, it's lovely when you can see a church that is really open to people that might have quirky behaviours and things like that. And, you know, and I think I feel safe in this place and, you know, I, th- I feel that this this would be a safe place <clears throat> for people to come into who, yeah, who don't experience the world in quite quite the same sort of way and react to it in the same sort of way. And when you, when you think about some of those, so like the other church that you were part of, what were some of the ways that that looked like that was good? So you said it was like welcoming to maybe people with autism or that were more, more kind of neurodiverse. What does the practical ways of that looks like in terms of them being supportive um, and welcoming? I suppose but people were just gentle around, you know, like you know, that if somebody is, is vocalising in an unconventional way or something like that or needs to move around <clears throat> or something like that, yeah. you know, it's, it's those sorts of things that that when it's when it's understood that's safe for people to do that, you know, and, and you know, that we're not expecting the right to have everybody being quiet all the time and, and things like that. Okay. Cool. Um, so it's like I've kind of gone off slightly, but the, the original question was kind of around your own experience and what your experience of church has been when it comes to disability and whether that's been good or bad. But maybe off the back of that, is this, if there's something that you could say about your own journey and where... You know, that whole question of, of healing and where that's come, where you've settled in that. Yeah, I mean, um, I don't know. I haven't had experiences like, like Dorothy has had, really. Um, the only thing that has been difficult in church, and I will say to Oasis's credit, not here, um, because I know that, Joe, you particularly say 
if you feel able to stand, please do. But when I was younger, the church that I went to, it wasn't an if you feel able, it was a stand up. And the only reason you can sit down is if you physically cannot stand up. Um, and so everyone would, even people who were more disabled than me, if they could stand, they had to. And that was for a, a large portion of the service. Um, and that was difficult, um, especially because at the time I wasn't using a stick. So if I had continued to sit down, people would have looked at me and, and especially because I'm young, thought that I was just being lazy or I was disobeying them or it meant that my uh, faith wasn't as strong, which, you know, isn't true. I just, I just can't stand for that long. I just, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And actually, like, that's quite a small thing. You know, it's easy to say, if you're able, please stand, isn't it? But actually, it makes a huge difference. So sometimes some of what we need to do to be, you know, more accepting and welcoming and, and to be a safe place is actually not huge. It's just those little things that we're being of our language. And yeah, yeah, okay. Um, yeah, anybody else want to jump in on just in terms of that, how, yeah, how's your faith um, kind of interacted with your experiences in relation to disability any any more kind of on that and it must be something that you've thought through a lot you know is it kind of do you think it's is it part of who you are in terms of how God's made you and is it you know what are some of those questions that you've worked through and thought about anybody can jump in on this one I think um, <clears throat> I suppose all my life I've really struggled with strategic planning like like I said and so I've just had to like be open to the opportunities that come along and and you know and I can see God in so many of those opportunities so I suppose that's been a real boost to my faith because I just even situations where I've got resources and things like that I just yeah I really struggle to to just plan ahead and 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 make strategic decisions and I'm just so grateful for the course that God's provided for me in my life, I suppose. Do you feel like God's kind of almost provided a path that's allowed you yeah. to walk in a yeah. way that's relevant to you yeah. and helpful yeah. to you? And yeah, yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I think uh, for me, I sort of, my faith uh, grew as my pain worsened. Um, so I can remember the first time that I was in like the worst pain that I get, like really, really bad pain. Um, and at, at the time, I didn't really have a relationship with God. And I can, I can remember being in that pain and feeling just so alone. Um, even though, like, I physically wasn't alone, my my family were in the same room as me. But um, yeah, I, I felt so alone. And when I'm in that kind of pain, I can't think. I can't concentrate. It's like uh, all that exists in the world is pain. Um, yeah, and that was that was really isolating. But I sort of started to, independently from from my disability, grow in my faith and, and find God. And now, when I am in pain and I can't think of anything else, I I I don't feel alone, even when I physically am. And there's no one in the room with me. I'm completely by myself. I don't feel alone, and I think I can feel. God's presence with me and it's like they sort of have a hand on my shoulder and they're just saying I'm with you I've got you and it doesn't lessen my pain but it, it's such a comfort it's amazing thank you for sharing that 
Um, and may, maybe this is linked a little bit, but how how has your own disability or experience with disability sort of shaped and formed you? Because it must have really sort of affected who you've become. And yeah, what are some other ways that it's, it's kind of formed who you are? Well, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It's made me quite bitter. It's made me very frustrated. It's made me more cynical and a lot more questioning. So there's that. Mm -hmm. um, of course, there is some positive. Um, I, I'm, I'm not able to work. Um, that's not the positive, by the way. That's just like an intro into what I'm going to say. <laughs> but <laughs> but um, when those sort of layers of you get stripped away, th there's a lot of grief, but also you've got to find sort of what's left. And, and ultimately... Um, when the other, you know, all these sort of facades of who we are and what, you know, what we do and how productive we are and what we contribute and what our CV tells us about who we are, when that's all stripped away, you realise, well, I'm actually, I'm still worthy just, just as I am, you know, by the grace of God, we are, we're good just for being rather than doing um, and secondly, friendships. You really realise who are your true friends. And I'm quite lucky because I met a lot of my friends when I was um, a lot healthier. So I was, you know, doing activities that were in line with, you know, who I am as a person. So, so I'm lucky that, you know, that I had the opportunity to meet those people, and that they're still in my life. Um, and then, and then generally connections. Um, you meet nicer kind of people than you would, you know, if your life was focused on a rat race type situation. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. John? Um, yeah, I suppose I'd, my ADHD f makes it really, really difficult to maintain relationships just to, like, um, to find the emotional and mental space and I, I I spent lots of years beating myself up for being so sort of introspective and and isolating and you know and I suppose that and I love being in this church because I'm building relationships with people and it's, it's what I need and I I suppose I got so focused on the sort of vertical relationship with God I, f I just didn't connect to the the horizontal stuff of church community and I suppose lots of stuff I'm relearning now. Just, yeah, I'm really grateful for, and I'm, I'm getting in this place. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I find it very, very difficult to separate uh, myself from my disability because you know, I was 10 when my pain started. I, I, I do not remember not being in pain. That sounds really depressing. It's not. Um, <laughs> I, just, I just don't... I don't remember when my life wasn't... Uh, wasn't a series of considerations about how everything would affect my pain in the in the coming days. Um, so it just is who I am as a person, and as much as as pain like sucks, it's not fun. Um, I wouldn't choose to not be disabled because I don't know who I would be if I wasn't. Um, and I think this is this is something we were talking about uh, yesterday, actually, but. I think particularly when you have uh, a hidden disability. Um, so when I was younger and I was, and I was in a lot of pain, but 
there was no visible cue to tell people that, and I, and I didn't tell people that because I was embarrassed about it and people didn't know and all, all sorts of things. Um, so I was, I was in a lot of pain, but outwardly you, you wouldn't know that. Um, and I think that's maybe a lot more empathetic and a lot more... Um, I'm a lot more in tune to how people are really feeling, and I think that I don't make those assumptions that people are okay because I know what it is like to appear fine, but behind that be be struggling. Wow, I feel like there's already loads that I want to kind of just go away and process. It just yeah, I'm learning a lot. So yeah, thank you guys. I think part of um, obviously part of what we try and do on Safe Sundays is just make sure that um, everybody has a chance to to ask some questions. So uh, what we'll do is just take sort of a five minute break, and you'll notice that on your tables there is just some small pieces of paper and some pens. So we would really love it if you had a question for um, one or more member of our panel today, and um, if you could write that question down, just come and put it on that bottom step, um, and then we'll just spend the last fifteen minutes or so. Um, yeah, asking your questions. So yeah, we'll take five minutes, uh, top up your coffee, grab another pastry, write your question, pop that on the step there, and then we'll yeah restart in about five minutes' time. Okay, brilliant. Um, thank you very much for submitting your questions. Some really good ones in here, so I'm looking forward to... Yeah, we'll just get through as many as we can, but it may be that we don't get time for them all. But if we don't get time for your question, obviously these guys will be around at the end, and I'm sure they wouldn't mind you coming and having a chat to them and asking your question if it's not been... Uh, answered. So, uh, first of all, and again, anybody can just jump in on this. Um, does your disability affect building relationships with other people? Um, yeah, I mean, as I shared before, very much so. You know, I mean, it's been probably the biggest challenge. Um, um, and, yeah, a challenge I really enjoy tackling, but I'm very aware of how much it takes out of me. All right, thanks, Sean. Anybody else want to chip in? You don't need to, but... Yeah, I think mine, uh, once I already have an established uh, friendship with someone, then it's fine. Um, but I think if you think back to uh, starting your friendships, it often involves uh, a lot of activities in the beginning um, and sort of saying, oh, I'm going to this place, do you want to come? Or I'm going to go on a walk, do you want to come? And that's how you uh, form bonds with people. So in that sense, yes. Um, okay. Can you read the question again, please? Yeah, it was, um, does, get it right, uh, does your disability affect building relationships with other people? Um, yes, it does massively. Um, and with, with some newer friendships, I feel like I keep, keep my distance more because I feel like I can't necessarily commit to what a friendship requires and that that person might feel sort of let down or, you know, if I'm not able to up as regularly or participate in the activities um yeah 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 thanks all okay um how do you find bath as a place to live with your disability um i'll go for this first it's it's there's a positive and a negative and they're both the same it's it's the hills and the natural beauty of it i love the fact that i can look and enjoy. I really love the trees, the hills. Just being able to see the green hills for me is just like massively therapeutic and brings me joy. But obviously you've got to walk up those hills sometimes. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, thanks Dorothy. Um, 
Mine's a bit different because I don't yeah. live in Bath. I'm a boat traveller. And, and it's been probably the best thing for me. Um, so I, I moved on to a boat before I got my diagnosis and before I got medication. But it's just, I have to be mindful of my water and my fuel and, and every, you know, all those bits in life that if you're in bricks and mortar, just coming in through pipes and wires and things like that. And I have to you know, move my boat and do locks and things like that. And that just helps me so much having, I suppose I'm a real kinesthetic processor and it just helps me balance myself doing all of that stuff. Yeah, that makes sense. Thanks, John. And does it, does it impact you much to do with sort of walking with a stick and that kind of thing? Or? Uh, yeah, I think like Dorothy was saying, the hills are not, yeah. not, the, not my best friend. Um, but actually, because Bath is quite small, it's not too bad. Um, and I'm thinking about... Uh, masters next year and where I'm going to be for that um, and there's a really really incredible course in in UCL like it was like designed for me but London is so big <laughs> and even you know they have the tubes but even walking through the tube stations it's it's a lot um, you know and I, one of my friends is, is going to London and, and is very very uh, for me going and, and says you know it'll be amazing you'll love it and I and I kept saying but it's so big it's so big and they were like what do you mean by that it's amazing that it's big there's so much to do uh, but what I mean by that is I have to walk in it like um and that's it it's scary but yeah I think to go back to the question Bath is 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 nice because it's small and it's manageable yeah, yeah. So it's and there's kind of there's lots of pros. There's like the hills, but then it's small. But then and then there's quite a lot of challenges. And I know perhaps not so much with hidden disabilities, but certainly for for people with mobility issues, it's a real problem with high pavements. And there's lots of so even even this this building itself. Um, you know, part of the, the building refurbishment we're hoping to do is to put a lift and things in. But even then, um, to get to the front door you know you need to get up a high pavement which doesn't have any level access anywhere so it's it can be quite a challenging place but yeah, it's it's, it's interesting to sort of see almost what the other side of you know that yeah like because it's a smaller city it's it's more manageable and yeah yeah okay um so these two quite similar questions i'm going to put these together um so somebody said what stuff can other people do or have done to help disabled people and then somebody's also said what's the biggest thing that we can do to help make your experience of life as full as possible um which is i think yeah two great questions so yeah what what can what can we do to help what do we need to learn what can we do that would help you or, and other people with with disabilities I think this Sofa Sunday has been great and I'd really like for the... I think, are we doing like a disability month as a, as a theme? And yeah. I think I'd really love that to sort of continue over a couple more months, really. <laughs> yeah, so maybe kind of keep, keep exploring it mm. and, yeah, look at it again, maybe. Yeah, that sounds good to me. Yeah, and, and I think, um, you know, that disabilities can be so challenging to self-esteem and just, um, yeah, to have this opportunity... To, to just speak our truth and and um, be visible, even if things are, are not visible. Um, yeah, it's really healing just to to know and, and and like I said before, that just perhaps just to create more and more space, just to acknowledge that everybody finds it difficult with different things. You know, that's what perhaps we can be about as a church community. Just that real compassion for people. Good to me. <laughs> yeah. I think just ask. Um, I mean, 
weirdly, every single time I get in a taxi, the taxi driver will ask me why I have a walking stick. Um, but people in my life will not. <laughs> people that I'm forming friendships with won't ask it. I mean, me and my housemates joke that they didn't know why I had a walking stick for a full year. Because um, they just didn't ask. But I think it's always good to ask. And, and to ask everyone as well, whenever you're organising anything... Just check in with people. Like, will, will you be okay with this? Does this sound good to you? Especially because people do have hidden disabilities and, and you might not know. Um, so, yeah, just, just ask people and just ask people what they need. Great. And maybe your answers to that have been great in terms of just helping us think about a church. But when you think of some of the things you've touched on about sort of friendships and building relationships and, you know, speaking more generally, and maybe I think your answer touched on that, but is there anything else that's just helpful? You know, what's good for, for me to do as a friend to you, John, or to you, Dorothy? You know, what, what's good for me to... Um, how can I help as, as a friend or as, how can we help as, as your friends as, as church as well as, you know, the institution of church? I think it can be nice for people to sort of offer and state their availability because I think quite often if there is something I need, I'm reluctant to ask because people have really busy lives and you don't want to, you know, make someone else burnt out through, you know, asking a little thing that might be, you know, the, the straw that broke the camel's back. So, um, yeah. Can I also just add at that yeah. point that the online services have been absolutely amazing um, for me because it's meant that when I haven't been able to get here, I've still felt connected to church. It was really great on Facebook where we, you know, there were comments as well, so you could uh, feel, re you know, even more so connected to who else was participating in that as well. So I've really appreciated that. Yeah, and that's definitely something that we will keep. Um, so we do live stream our learning Sundays, which is our sort of two middle Sundays, and just we don't have enough team members at the moment to live stream this Sunday. Um, so maybe that's a good point to do a shout out for anyone that um, yeah has got availability or isn't part of a Sunday team at the moment. Um, yeah, once we increase that team, we are hoping to be able to live stream this Sunday as well. But obviously, we record the content and put it out there. But I, we sort of very quick. I think that's one of the the gifts of COVID has kind of been it's sped us up in terms of being able to offer that online and you know recognizing that people that join us only online are just as valid a part of church as people that come in the building on a Sunday and that we're doing some work at the moment just to explore what some of the gaps are in that so uh, we're doing a focus group for people next week who have joined our services online to just help draw out some of the, okay, what's it been like for you experiencing church online? How can we grow some of our online provision? And we're hoping to set up an online welcome team as well. So there'll be like an online sort of Zoom kind of coffee morning type thing after each service. And so we're just hoping to sort of grow the level of provision that we're able to offer people that's online. And obviously people are aware we've got micro hubs that run sort of solely online. So yeah, hopefully that'll be a part of church that continues to sort of grow and develop. And yeah, hopefully continue to get your, your thoughts on how to just make sure that's yeah as good as it can be and as accessible as it can be so yeah um, cool so any as we draw to a close any sort of final thoughts or anything that you were like I really wanted to say this but I didn't get the didn't get the chance to anything that you really want to communicate today that doesn't have to be you can you know there's like so much we could be talking for hours so <laughs> I think first of all I just leave it there 
Yeah, but maybe that's an important kind of point that actually we do, you know, this is a beginning, it's a beginning of exploring this topic, isn't it? So actually, you know, let's think about how we can, okay, when do we, you know, how do we kind of just keep this in our minds, in our conversations? How do we make sure that it continues to shape what we do? So yeah, that's that's a helpful, um, yeah, place to end on really. So that the last thing is just something that I wanted to end on as well. So I just, um, someone has just said no question, but just wanted to say a massive thank you for articulating so many of the difficulties that I've faced by having a, a hidden disability. And yeah, I said it before, but I recognise that today's been costly, probably in a number of ways, and even just the energy that will be involved in, in doing what you've done today, um, you know, I, I recognise that has an impact um, on, on the, the disability that you experience. So thank you for that and um, for giving your time this morning. Um, it's just been, yeah, re really worthwhile and really, really amazing. So thank you. And um, yeah, I think we should give them a round of applause. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to a podcast from Oasis Church Bath. To find out more about us, visit our website at www.oasisbath.org.